0: Welcome to the Eclectic Collection. Today is episode 42, The Genius of John Hughes. So excited because in studio today, I have very own my dear friend, the pool hygiene doctor. This is the first time that I've ever had a person in studio with us today. So excited, you can't see him, but good old Kevin Sound Engineer is even smiling. How are you today, my pool hygiene doctor?
1: I'm doing well, thanks. I feel like I should have an intro song or some kind of... You've been that. saying that
0: for a while. We have to do that. We might, we might come up with one. It took us a while to get one for the Eclectic uh, Collection. And all you collectors out there, don't forget that we're doing this crazy thing on YouTube called Mysterious Morsels. And while you're busy checking out Mysterious Morsels, make sure that you check out the Pool Hygiene Doctor, because if you want a pool, have a pool, or is thinking about getting a pool, or need to know quick info that's going to keep your pool healthy, you want to go check out everything that he's doing, because he is the master and has been as long in that business as I have in entertainment and the radio, so he knows what he's talking. About today, however, emphasis on quick. Emphasis on quick. I, I'm, 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 the garrulous one. Sorry. Um, today we're talking about the genius of John Hughes. I'd like to point out that this title was brought to me by the pool hygiene doctor. I've always been obsessed. He's as obsessed as I am. And we're going to talk about a lot of different things that John Hughes has brought to the proverbial table, especially the works that he's done that you may or may not know about. And I just love him. He loves him. If you grew up in Gen X. You've definitely had your whole world shaped by John Hughes, and he's just one of those awesome people. Unfortunately, he left this earth way too early, but he started out as an ad man, and from what I'm told, he was in Chicago often and uh, didn't really want to do the L.A. thing with movies, so often fought to stay in Chicago to either film or do major parts of things. And he started out writing we really think uh, for ads and then it kind of progressed and he was writing a little bit for national european um, I'm sorry for national lampoons but, um, their magazine and Harold Ramis who went on to be obviously a famous director actor guy from ghostbusters did Caddyshack, et etc exactly he came in with uh, vacation so that was what 1984 is that, that was where? 1983 83 okay so he writes for vacation and they really liked him Harold Ramis of course directs it but Vacation ends up leading to European Vacation, which comes out a little bit after. And then I believe we go to Christmas Vacation, which everybody seen. Best then.
1: Christmas movie of all time.
0: Obviously. You know, the light scene alone, I get a kick out of. I went to see European Vacation, and I had just come back. I was young, and I was uh, had been on my first trip to Europe, so it was hilarious for me because of the places they were seeing and stuff they were doing. I was bummed that Anthony Michael Hall didn't stay the sun in that one. Um, Do we know why? I was just curious. Was that noticed?
1: they changed three times. Okay. The the son was the oldest in one movie, then the daughter was the oldest in another movie. Yeah. So it goes back and forth and back and forth. You're older than me, so you would remember
0: this. (laughs) Of course, obviously. I'm pretty sure you're coming up on a birthday, though. Um, Just saying. So uh, it might be, give or take, five or six years older than me. So he's a liar. Just know that going into it. But he doesn't lie about pools. So Vacation, very cool. Again, he doesn't direct it, but he writes it. And he's got just the insight of... People and I had read a book called um, Chasing John Hughes. And it, honestly, I, I kind of didn't like the book. I'm not going to lie. I only got it for the title thinking it was going to be a little bit more about him. And it was this guy's quest. And sadly, the guy was kind of a, a wanderlust and didn't have a great life. And he kind of looked to John Hughes for um, just looking through the movies in his life. But he was literally looking for John Hughes. Never quite bumps into him, and that's kind of the miserable part of the story, but he would take like pieces and bits of things and say that he was uh, interested in that, and that's what kept him going, and he got through a drug addiction and this and that. But a fun fact I did not know, which I really only got from reading that book, was that when he follows him like early on from ads and going to Chicago and the whole Cubs thing, you could speak more to the sports than I can because he always has a jersey in vacation. Is he wearing Cubs? I still
1: wear the Griswold jersey. Uh, but it doesn't Anthony Michael Hall have Cubs? on? Is it Cubs? No, it's not Anthony Michael
0: Hall. It's no, no, the first one. Doesn't he have a, a jersey on in the first one? He
1: has a Blackhawks jersey. Oh, Blackhawks. That okay, he's hockey.
0: Okay, because he has at one point um, throughout all of them, he's got different jerseys happening that are like really, uh, you know, pertinent to what he's doing and, and where he was living at the time. But they always said there was like a subtle mix there. I didn't really know that much about the teams. Um, are and you nervous for having me on, to hook you're to Chicago's very fast right now. I always talk fast. I think people just listen too slowly. That's what I think it is. And you
1: don't talk this fast normally. I do. I talk quickly all the time.
0: I I talk really quickly all the time. People listen too slow, I would argue. But um, one of the other neat things that I had really gleaned from this book was that, in addition to wanting to stay in Chicago and do a lot of work there, apparently John Hughes had said at some point that there was this little house where I guess they filmed the breakfast club. Uh, not Breakfast Club, they filmed... Ferris um, Bueller? No, no, they filmed 16 Candles. And you could still go visit it, and it was oh, near yes. this kid where yes. he lived. So that was neat, and like, they, they don't give me an address, but they tell you it's a movie tour thing now, and True. I thought that was cool. Well, so. I know
1: we haven't gotten the Ferris Bueller to Ferris Bueller's Day Off yet, right. but his address, if you see the address on Ferris Bueller's actual oh, house, yeah. 2800, that's where he grew up at, 2800. Oh, the name of the, okay. Fun fact... Fun fact, I did I not just know wanted that. wanted to interject
0: something. I'm sitting here doing nothing. Nice, nice, nice. It's okay. You're de- Oh, wow, Kevin the engineer, he laughs. I keep calling him the Kevin engineer, but person, he is a real person. I know, but he never says anything. I mean, feel free to jump in at any moment. Um, so, you know, we talked about the vacations, and that leads to 16 Candles, his first directorial debut, and that comes out in 84. So the most obvious thing to me was that, you know, Shermer High School, Shermer, Illinois. Shermer's not
1: real. No, it's made
0: up. It's a completely fictional place. And yet five of his...
1: Movies yes,
0: there. and they do talk about that. If you look uh, closely on the building, I don't even see that. Uh, I don't even see the words "high school" A when they're dropping sure them off.
1: On there, I remember when the breaking glass scene came on, right Breakfast Club. I okay, because
0: he says uh,
1: I only watched the movie yesterday, so I should. remember. I know,
0: that. right? When you go through the beginning and they're dropping everybody off, allegedly you said that John Hughes is one of the dads.
1: He's one of the dads that drops off. Okay. You, you want to think it's Ally Sheedy. Yeah, so I think it's the
0: basket case. Ali. I think so. Um, I also just noticed in the beginning, Richard Hashimoto, Principal, it says on the principals, you never see him. That's true. But right? on the nameplate, which was funny because uh, he was a producer of the movie.
1: And they also used John Hughes's Cadillac to drop off one of the people. I can't remember which one. I think the Cadillac was Ali Molly Ring. She- no, I don't know. The Cadillac might have been Ali Sheedy. Either way. I think he drives it. Yeah. I believe it says something on the license plate again. It escapes me what it was, but it was John Hughes's actual
0: That's funny he would use that, but classic. He got such a good response out of that, and yet I heard it was tough to make because they took um, prison shots. That's the cinder block. So when you're inside, he made it look like a school. They constructed the library. But it was actually a prison, so they took the external shots from a real school, and then they did like prison shots, and that's where they got all the um concrete, although the library scene is fantastic, so they came in and like made a room out of it. there I go, hitting things and unfortunately, when they uh went to go to edit a few times, they had some problems, but it, it did obviously come out and, and of course, it turned out great, but right, just go nice. you were saying that uh the Judd Nelson thing so about the actual um molly ringwald he had already had an affinity for and had her in a lot of his work but John nelson wasn't supposed to be no
1: he was from what i recall he was almost thrown out of his, wow. um, his his interview and he caused so much trouble that they called security and security came up to take him out wow. as that happened they called him in he won the spot who else i think it was john kusek Okay. For that. Would have been I like him. Bender. I know, right? He was also going to be Walter White. Could you imagine that for Breaking Bad? Yeah,
0: that would have been strange. Was Nick Cage part of that too or no? Is that nothing? Cage. He was which, supposed yes. to be in? Okay. Oh, and he wanted too much money. Yeah. I, I'm not surprised. I can't see either of them in that role. Maybe Cusack, but I just feel like Judd Nelson did such a great job that I can't envision anybody else being Bender. And in the teaching world, it makes me laugh because, of course, you have these thoughts of detention yeah, on Saturday when that really meant something.
1: He said that he <laughs> snuck into a high school because he was 24 when he played the role. Yeah. He snuck into the high school, at local high school and just pretended to be a high school student.
0: <laughs> Sadly, I could see him doing that.
1: E-O-O-H-O.
0: Yeah, well, I expected a little more from a Varsity Letterman. So I'm just saying. Uh, what's this? What are we doing? So, no, Breakfast Club, huge, huge success. Still love the part where the salami hits the uh, the crazy, ugly sculpture. That was one take. They said that was one take. Yeah, I'm impressed. I, you know, I thought it was going to stay up there forever, but it's like, and it gets stuck there. But, uh, I, you know, really, I hate to say it, but 80s now, whatever, and going forward, they're still kind of the... I wouldn't use the word click, although they would, but it's still kinda of the, the demographics of a high school. You know, you've got the, the princess and the jock and the the uh, basket case and the nerd and, and, and the criminal and that's kinda of still how things go. So he yeah, was on to something.
1: I remember watching a some kind of documentary on that statue. You remember he does that little dance and he jumps on it, his yeah. hair's flipping back and forth and they had to cement that into the ground and stake it in there and mm. come come apart. But uh yeah, a lot of interesting backstories on uh,
0: Mr. Bender. It was that whole thing is, is pretty neat, and and they've one time I was able to buy the screenplay, and I gave it as a gift. I should have made a copy of it for myself, and I didn't. I've never seen it again, but it was neat because you said there was a different ending and all in the first part. Yeah, and there's never a read dark it.
1: ending too that many people don't know about, where uh, the janitor Carl mm-hmm. makes up stories where Bender commits suicide and. Um, Brian, I think, uh, dies due to a heart attack because of his job and blah, 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 <laughs> blah. So, not, some, not the happy ending that you and right.
0: I are used to. I just like the part where he says that clock's uh, 20 minutes fast. That was a, a great comeback for the, for the janitor. But no, that, and he comes into other places. So, yeah, he comes into other movies, um, which Breakfast Club gives way to Weird Science later uh, in the year. I love Weird Science. I love Anthony Michael Hall. I still, um, Kelly LeBrock, it's funny because you know, she was a model. You didn't see her in too much as far as movies go. I really never saw her again, but she was perfect for that role. And um, I still get why Kitchen is blue. I don't know. I love that line. And even Bill Paxton, a young Bill Paxton. It's a shame he's left us. But uh, he was hilarious as Chet. And um, the moms and dads in the story were kind of, I'll say, famous B actors at the time that have still come and gone a lot. And um, it was neat in the premise that they were – First, Apple computers and making something technology. Well, that's how they got her, name.
1: her name was Lisa because the Apple III, I'm not sure what it was, was named Lisa. So they right. named Le- her Lisa because she came from a computer and blah, 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 blah. With right. bras on top of their heads. Right. A, like, constructor. From-
0: and a young Robert Downey Jr. That is correct. I loved him in that. That was before Less Than Zero which was another great movie, but yeah, that's true. But it was a a sad, but great movie and he never made Brad pack status, but we'll talk about that in a bit, which upsets me. Um, so after we do weird science, um, you start to see Ferris Bueller's day off comes around and at that point it's 86, which simultaneously pretty in pink happens. But here's the thing from what, and again, I read this in this book He is finishing Pretty in Pink, which he did not direct, and I didn't know that. He wrote it, and there were edits to be done, and they were really on him to finish the edits, but John, being John, creative as he was, went upstairs and promised his editor, who literally slept at his house to make sure he would get everything finished, he went, wrote all night, and he came back down with Ferris Bueller. He's like, hey, I think this is a good news story. And the editor's like, we have to finish Pretty in Pink. So there's actually a delay. Both get done, obviously. But I didn't realize he didn't direct Pretty in Pink. So pretty cool. You start to see uh, James Spader come into play. And of who's course, not a Brad who's not a Brat Packer. And you see Andrew McCarthy, who is an arguable Brat Packer, Arguing according Wall. to you. But um, Molly Ringwall again, you said she didn't like the dress. Yeah,
1: she didn't like the dress she was forced to wear. Um, that well, that was I wasn't a, a fan. That wasn't Pretty in Pink. Right. Yeah, yeah. That uh, was a bummer. There's so many interesting things about Ferris Bueller. I mean, the sure. mom and dad ended up dating and becoming. I did not know that in I real life. Did not know right. that. Matthew Broderick and Jennifer Gray ended up uh, being engaged. I didn't and know I that either. There was, another, there was a car accident in um, London or somewhere. Oh. And um, he was in the hospital for a lengthy period of time hmm. and that kind of drove them apart. And then he married. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker,
0: right, right. Who was in Footloose, but different, different day. <laughs> yes. um, funny thing about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I only knew this because a long time ago, Galaxy Far Far Away, different movie. Star-way that Alice. could be a, that could be a different one we we have. Um, the PG thirteen rating doesn't really surface yet, and the first movie that got it was Red Dawn, oh. which Jennifer Grey was in, and then she plays the sister in First Bueller. First Bueller got a PG-13 rating. So that was the first used movie that got a PG-13 rating.
1: Interesting little bit about Jennifer Grey is there; she was supposed to be a middle child and not the second child. Mm-hmm. She torments the older brother the entire movie but there were supposed to be two younger children whom they actually cut from the final cut. So I didn't know that. Interesting little bit of information. I didn't know
0: about the mom and dad either. I had no idea. They got married in real life. Yeah,
1: what's their names? I can't remember I names. have no idea.
0: <laughs> I just, I always thought that the guy was pretty funny and in a weird way he reminded me of like Fred Ward, but not. Uh,
1: <laughs> I wish we had a studio guy that could look that up.
0: Right? I mean, we do. He just doesn't talk. He doesn't talk, sir. Um, <laughs> sorry, Little little nod there um, to The Breakfast Club. So then that begets... First Bueller's Day Off, of course, fantastic, and
1: you know, you know, what he brings uh, my favorite parts when he plays the clarinet. Yeah, because I try to play the guitar and I'm horrible at it. So when I do this, <laughs> sounds little, like me on the drums. I do these little funny videos, and you're like, never had one lesson. And that is from First Bueller. He right. Just, he saw it, he picked it up, started playing it. And he plays it like it's a drum or a trumpet or something terrible. Yeah, he's like, I've never
0: had one lesson. And I, I love the, the ending, football. of course, with the baseball, because that was fantastic. Now that was who? What team? That was the Cubs. That was the Cubs. That's where I got the Cubs. I got yeah. Cubs from somewhere. And, uh, you know, it's funny because Alan Ruck is way older. He's
1: 29 in that, in that movie.
0: Right. But yeah. he had, he, so I, from this book that I read that I didn't really like, but I got some tidbits, he was working with Biloxi Blues right. and on theater, in yes. the theater situation with him, and they, they, he called him up. But Alan Rock wasn't, I think they had many choices for him, but they said he had a baby face, so they took him.
1: Well, Matthew Broderick was 24.
0: Yeah, and then the woman, uh, the girlfriend, Simone, uh, which was the only time she really acted after that. That's they right. said she didn't do it again. But I thought it was neat because even though he did kind of a baby face, of course the whole scene with the Ferrari and the you know bad idea. And By the they way, died. there were
1: three Ferraris in that movie because they couldn't afford one. Did you know that? Oh. They made it out of fiberglass. And I hate wow. the scene where they shoot it out the window. Yeah. Like, oh, such a waste. I know. I was sad. He's was kicking it. It was good, though. I didn't know that, that they made it out. And if you see them, they're standing out looking at it, and it goes a lot farther than they anticipated, and they hit this fence yeah. on the other side of the lot. So, again, useless information, but funny when you watch it. It
0: was, because it does look good. It's all... But I I just think that whole dynamic of them going around for the whole day and you're playing hooky and everything and he plays the father and they're joking around. Um, they ate pancreas. He he was like, even, i made mean, from Froman, you know, Sausage King of Chicago. I'm laughing because it is in Chicago. The parade scene, I heard they stormed and it was right. a real parade. Yes, And they sort of like took it over. And
1: the dance they do is from Thriller. If you notice, yeah. people doing dance moves and it's, they stole from Michael Jackson.
0: Which, and, and you know, for a long time, just the whole bit of it with... Uh, the, the Beatles, you know, mm-hmm. back I'm surprised they actually got the, the song to be able to use it because that was a thing.
1: Matthew Broderick had some kind of knee injury at the time, so mm-hmm. he couldn't do the dance moves as well. Right. And so they just kind of made And if you see the whole float rocking back and forth. Yeah, it looks like
0: doing? it's going to fall over. Yeah. It cracks me up, though, because that whole idea of breaking the fourth wall... Really starts at Ferris Bueller. In the end, he comes out and he's like, "You're still here? Go home." Or right, he looks and they at, filmed that first. I mean, yeah, it's weird. And then you know, he looks at the uh, audience a few times. So I get a kick out of that. I've always loved things like that. And that was sort of a new way to approach things. Um, no different than. Uh, You know, Lucas put all the uh, uh, credits for Star Wars coming at you at the screen. You know, that was like unheard of or putting credits at the end. So neat thing. Uh, Planes, trains, and automobiles. Honestly, I'm probably the weakest to talk about that because it came out in 87. I love John Candy, uh, RIP, obviously Steve uh, Martin, hilarious. But it just makes me sad. And people watch it consistently on Thanksgiving or the night before. It's just so Willy Loman to me, like Death of a Salesman. But it is a funny movie. You
1: can't it is. You can't take that away. And both actors are very popular actors, and they both sure. list that as one of their top movies of right. all time that they enjoy being in. And mm-hmm. You would never think that.
0: No, no. And it just was neat, but at the same token, I'm like, so sad. I feel like, and again, this is me putting the psychologist hat on, but I feel like from that point forward, he does a lot more work, but things start to get a little, um, not necessarily darker, but sadder. Uh, so he does Uncle Buck. In '89, which again, love John Candy. That's pure comedy gold, and a lot of that is slapsticky, as opposed to I'll say humiliation comedy. That's more in the Plains trains level. But launches, then
1: launches uh, Macaulay Culkin's career. Yes,
0: and and Home Alone one, two, and three. So apparently he is in charge of writing, directing, etc. for Home Alone in '90. But then writes two and three, three ninety two ninety seven, but is just producing them. So I I think it was funny, and that, you know Macaulay Culkin. I've seen him show up lately in like American Horror Story TV stuff, mm-hmm. but not much.
1: He made a lot of money as a kid. He doesn't have to do too much.
0: He did, but he got into some shady stuff, and then I don't know what was going on. He was like backed up Michael Jackson when they had all that baloney. But in, in the middle, I couldn't tell you what he was doing.
1: Well, so the, f- the scene I remember most is when he grills you know Uncle Bob. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, rumor has it that the, he they taped these cue cards onto. Um, onto his forehead so he could just look right at him and just ask, ask questions where are you from what are you doing What's your, who's your girlfriend <laughs> I did not know that so that's funny he didn't have to memorize his lines he just read off the top of John right. Candy because he was young I mean yeah.
0: he, was, he was pretty young at that point but he was uh you know kind of funny because he's Kevin which but just you think know.
1: of the think of the careers that he launched I mean Molly Ringwald yeah. of course uh, definitely Matthew Michael Hall
0: 100% um, you know, they really stood by him too I think uh he worked with other people obviously but like I think they were the Two key uh, hinge pins of of everything they did, which is a different conversation for another
1: day. We've had that that discussion off.
0: Yeah, like who's who's part of it technically? I mean, I would definitely put Molly Ringwald in it. I would definitely put Emilia Restovich in it. Like I said, Rob Lowe is in it, but Uh, one movie does not count. But yeah, yeah, no, he did. He got same thing with Andrew McCarthy. I would put Ali Sheedy. And to me, more in that category. she
1: belongs there. She was in um, multiple. She movies.
0: did a few things. She was in war games, too. But, like, Matthew Broderick technically isn't part of that. But Matthew Broderick did war games.
1: But he's, yes, that is but true. He's but he's technically not, not a brat.
0: And they hate the, the name. So I feel bad even saying true. it out loud. True. Because, you know, that was, like, not cool. Although. Well,
1: who else? Um,
0: they were hanging out at Spago with Wolfgang Puck a lot. From what I hear, they're eating gourmet pizzas. That was their thing in Vegas. But, um, well, Amelia Rasvez. And again, Charlie Sheen. Not really, like so he's in, not, but he's count. not really doesn't in. Count. So, but I would put Kiefer Sutherland in that crowd, and yet he's not you're really part of
1: that. You're losing me now. You know, Kiefer Sutherland? No, you're losing me. That's the, he does not belong in the Brat Pack. He doesn't, no, but he
0: was associated with a lot of them at that time. So it's just depressing.
1: But why does the name escape me? The girl that when the window blowing, and she tries to kill herself in so-called she, servers. In what? In, in in both of those movies. Um, uh, name escapes me.
0: It'll come to me in a second. Okay. Well, Ali Sheedy was uh, where I went no, with it, when you were talking about. <laughs> no, <I got> you. <laughs> she doesn't talk, sir. <laughs> I love when she does the disgusting dandruff piece. Right. And well, that's
1: not. We know that's Parmesan cheese. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and salami on this on the uh, statue that got nailed to the wall. Although when she puts the it was Captain Crunch in the yes, sandwich and squishing it yes. together and eating something? I don't know. And Give it a try. Or sticks or whatever those things. Yeah, about. pixie stick. Yeah, and then it turns out. um, so from the call Macaulay Calkin, Home Alone, Home Alone, Home Alone, if you will, uh Curly Sue in ninety one gets put in there as well. Um and again he you know, kinda of depressing, you know. Um neat and different movie, kind of a departure. I would argue it's his uh his Jersey girl. If
1: you will, you know, and it's funny because like people will get that reference.
0: Well, you know, and again, I liked it and I watched it and I, I love Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith always talks about John Hughes, how he emulated everything. And it's funny because I, you know, I emulate them at least in my head, because that's what I grew up with. I always like to write and everything that I put together, um, I would think of them if I could be a shadow of what they uh, are, it's neat because they were very good about seeing into kids and like the. The whole what makes everybody tick as a teenager. And I think it's very real even to today and holds up to today, despite that apparently he got a pseudonym, Edmund Dante's? I did not know that.
1: Dante's Inferno.
0: I had no clue that he uh, did that. Dante's Inferno is very good. Um, So he also uh, did Made in Manhattan? Unfortunately, yes. Okay. I'm not sure I would admit to that. (laughs) I mean, still, you know, he wrote uh, Beethoven, all the Beethoven movies. That was cute. If
1: my sister's watching. Okay. Oh, Owen Wilson.
0: And then uh, The Great Outdoors, which was... Great Outdoors,
1: Wasn't yeah. that the last uh, John Candy? That may be. No, I think he did a, he die? He, no, he did. He died in a movie that he played a, um, a cowboy, believe it or not. Oh, in, okay. New okay. Mexico. Like oh,
0: that. I vaguely remember them saying he had issues on the uh, horse. I some kind of I do, yeah, I do remember that. Okay. Great yeah. Outdoors was toward the end, because that was like... Wasn't that Big Bear? Big Bear chased me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, currently so, <laughs> yeah. That was his last
0: directorial... Okay. Yeah, and and it just, you know, he shaped Generation X as far as I'm concerned. I don't know anybody that can get through a day that's, you know, our age that can not really make a reference or have a thought about something he did. And he touched a lot because he either wrote it, directed produced it, was friends with somebody who knew or did whatever. Um, Harold Ramis, in the beginning of, I had seen like a documentary about Vacation, and it was specific to that, but he constantly brings up how Hughes was writing for National Lampoon, and they loved him, and started out as little cartoons and silly things. And I make sense if he was doing ad revenue. They but they say he was miserable doing ads and wanted to do all this. But he was such a quick writer, and there's so much more material that never really gets to the screen. Um, and that's what I was starting to say before. That one, um, the miserable book I read. That guy said that. Vacation came about because he used to take this vacation where they'd pile in a station wagon with his family and go every year to some place that he found boring, but the adventure of getting there was what made it funny. Right. And that's how it came about. And they liked it and they picked it up. And Ramus had just come off of Caddyshack and he was saying that they kind of gave him some latitude. And some people didn't want to use John Hughes for. The writing and he was like oh this guy's great and they all kind of vouched for each other and it worked out well so that's what began the career unfortunately um he passed away august 6th of 2009 and he was kind of in reclusivity from a while before it's depressing um died in the 60s it just to me it's like a jd salinger situation you know he got all his fame almost didn't like it was a private guy Still rocking the John Denver glasses, uh, you know, and had like the bad mullet and yet just kind of went away and was like, don't talk to me. Somebody knocked up on his house and they have like a quick clip of two guys that were chasing John Hughes and they never like, I think he opens the door, realizes what's going on and he's like, thanks and closes the door and that's it. And that's the last like anybody heard of him. On any kind of film, I have yet to get that. I've been looking for it for a while. I think it's called Searching for John Hughes, but
1: yeah, I never watched it. it. Well, the guy's a genius. I mean, yeah, just what just writing 16 Candles in a weekend. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. Or or three movies in a six month period. Yeah, he did. That's incredible.
0: I know. That's just genius. And now I feel like there's so much red tape, he would never be able to get everything made as yeah. quickly. You know, as it as it at that point. Takes me
1: 10 minutes to do a five second oh. <laughs> video. Right? That's hard
0: but it's quality we're going for it's quality <laughs> they will know about their pools <laughs> so yeah no i uh, i really i do like him i miss him it's a shame because i feel like uh you know, I don't want to end on a bad note, but people have been saying, oh, if you retrofit his stuff to today, no, no, and no. I don't even want to hear about it. I don't even want to argue about it. I just think it's wrong. People, it's a different era. Every era is different for a reason. And I feel like people are far too sensitive today about a lot of things. And it, it was all meant to be comedy and it was meant to be funny and it was pretty real. And that's what people don't understand. Sometimes there's just negative things in life and you have to deal with them. And he presented the awkward and the strange and the teenage and the adolescent, which all that was going on, honestly. And that's what made it funny because it's true. And there's a little bit of truth in every joke. So I just feel like everybody's a little too hypersensitive these days, but, um, I don't feel that there was anything wrong with any of that stuff. And it was, uh, pretty well done as well. So. Oddly enough,
1: one of the movies we didn't mention was his most lucrative. You want to take a guess of what that was? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I don't know what brought him in this. Would I, be 101 Dalmatians. Not oh, one you would think of, right. He did he got, write that. But he has parts of the royalties, Yeah. Which nowadays everything is royalties. Sure. Can you imagine saving your Star Wars yeah. things from when you were a kid? I had trading cards.
0: Yeah. I had Star Wars trading cards. I don't know what happened them. I think I had like a banta But uh, <laughs> whatever came in the cereal that day. That's funny because... Uh, yeah, I forgot he, he had he had written that. Um, that was like the first one because they've since gone on to do, right. God 18, knows how many renditions. Right. And that was that the first with Glenn Close, I believe that was. With Glenn okay, Close, yeah. but he didn't do the sequels.
1: Not to my knowledge. Okay, I don't think so either. Just I think like, he like done Home Alone. He's like, all right, I'm done with
0: that. Yeah, well, he still produced them though. But sure. that's that's interesting. So despite all of our blustering about the '80s and of course the Brad Pack or who's in it and who's not, really it comes down to John Hughes because if it wasn't for him. I don't know that we would have even had a Brad Pack or all these cool things to talk about. But what's that line from Ferris Bueller that I love so much? Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Very true. Also breaking the fourth wall, just saying. Classic. Classic. We have lots of classic lines in there. How many times a week do I say to you, I expect a little more from a varsity letterman?
1: Too many to count.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe... If you're willing to come back, pool hygiene doctor, then maybe we'll have uh, more fun times and break down each of these just to torture uh, and inform more people that are crazy like us that are as interested in all this uh, useless knowledge yeah,
1: maybe we can do less takes next time
0: nice um, it, it, well see they don't know that because it's one seamless perfect thing in their world <laughs> they don't know any better my sister teases me and calls me Cliff Clavin sometimes because I have useless information
1: can, can we get just a cardboard cut out of Kevin we, next we time? could
0: but then the cardboard's not going to do the actual tough stuff that I'm, he does I'm not
1: sure he does I, I haven't seen him move since we started
0: well I mean you know hey he's been smiling and that means that's it's good like things he's like
1: the Ben Stein of this whole he is
0: he is Bueller Adams Fry nice Fry, I do like Fry. that Fry i say that often he had win benstein's money for a little while yeah. but what happened to that you know he's yeah. just a smart man it just went bye-bye i know it's like remote control on mtv yeah. that made me sad love that show but we'll he talk about that
1: with adam sandler right
0: uh didn't he come on and he, he came on once or yeah. twice but now it was uh i host yeah oh yeah i guess on. yeah it was neat it was like uh, that's all right we do it all the time um so pool hygiene doctor again please catch him on youtube because if you have a pool, want a pool, or think about getting a pool, which God knows I've wanted a pool for a long time. So I always listen to the Pool Hygiene Doctor. But you can um, I can Yeah, your fictional pool. But uh, check him out on YouTube while you're busy checking out Mysterious Morsels. And as always, you know, become a collector because that's what cool people do. So like and subscribe, all that fun stuff. And if you liked our craziness today, then check us out at EclecticCollectionPodcast.com or listen to us on your preferred platform. I am Terry Tenaglia with the Pool Hygiene Doctor and our first ever, uh, really cool, dun, dun, dun. nice. We have to get you a theme song, buddy. But uh, yeah, our first, our first uh, uh, dual podcast. This is quite the moment. So thanks for listening.
1: Thanks for having me. Always.